0: Welcome to the customer service Gold Dust podcast. This is the UK's only podcast where customer experience professionals share their journey, insights, challenges, and current focus in an ever-changing customer service landscape. My name is Gavin Scott, and I invite you to join us as we delve into another great conversation. Whether you want to increase customer satisfaction or decrease customer complaints, there's sure to be plenty of gold dust that will help you to stand out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Customer Service Gold Dust Podcast, and I'm your host, Gavin Scott. Now, I first met today's guest when I was fortunate enough to host the first ever UK Business and Innovation Awards with Awards International back in February. I planted the seed back then about her coming onto the podcast, and today we've made it happen. She is the Chief Operating Officer at Geolytics and the former Head of Investment Planning at Sainsbury's. Let's give a warm welcome to Sarah Hitchcock. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Great to have you. Great to have you. Is this your first podcast, right?
1: It's my first ever podcast, yes. I'm very much looking forward to it, not nervous at all.
0: It's going to be a great conversation, Sarah. I'm sure you will do a great job. When this podcast goes out, and we will have in excess of 5,000 downloads. I mean, I'm chuffed a bit to that 5,000 downloads. Uh, it's great that people are, are listening, and thanks to all those people who tune in week in, week out uh, and download the podcast. So, uh, yes, thanks again for listening to some of the stuff that we share. So, Sarah, let's find out some more about you. So tell us about your background then.
1: So I started off after you. I started off at Boots as a customer analyst and then moved to, to Sainsbury's. But in the in the very beginning, before I went to university, from the age of 14, I was a waitress and worked many, many hours as a barmaid and waitress in, in a number of pubs. So I was thinking about that before in terms of what first got me interested in making sure that I'd carried out good customer service.
0: Tell me, w- when you were working as a waitress, what was your hourly rate back then? Oh,
1: God, I don't know. It was probably something like one pound fifty cash in hand. <laughs> I can yeah. remember getting the brown paper envelopes every week. That's definitely showing my age. Do you know
0: what? I used to get paid one pound seventy five. I remember working on a Saturday night, sweating cobs, serving food, and and waiting on tables for about ten pounds seventy five or something like that. I mean, it's mental.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay, uh, and so you you worked at Boots, and then you moved over to Sainsbury's. Uh, but before that, at the age of fourteen, you you started off as a waitress, and you've worked behind the bar and stuff. So it sounds like to me you, you've always had an interest in serving customers and providing great customer service, right?
1: Yes, I think so. If I think back, because I haven't put this connection together at all until I started thinking before I was coming on to talk to you. But it was an old coaching inn that I worked in, and. Very quickly, because it was independently run, very quickly, I was just left with another colleague to run the bar and restaurant while the, the family weren't working. And right. it was a hotel as well. So it's very much the case that anything went for the customers. So a customer had come in at 11 o'clock and the kitchen was shut. Well, we'd reopen it and make them a sandwich. From the very start, it was the customer comes first and make sure that they're happy.
0: Yeah, customer comes first and i i've certainly i've lived in pubs until i was 17 and, and certainly we had some hotel rooms as well and when those customers come back whatever time it is if they want something to eat then that's what you did right you just got to look after them and make sure they're happy
1: yes definitely
0: so tell me the company you're working for then today so geolytics tell us more about what they do then sarah
1: so, we help retailers and, and also landlords and councils, but our majority of our customers are, are retailers, and we help them decide their ideal network. So, where should they open shops? How many um, shops can they open? Where should they close shops if things aren't going as well? How many sales can they do online? So, where do they need to put some uh, logistic hubs? Anything to do with location and customers will help them understand understand their locations and understand the customers in order to drive value.
0: And so I'm guessing from that description then, that there's some sort of data that you're able to allow these retail outlets to access then. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we have lots and lots of data on demographics and population and, and where everyone lives and works and shops. And then retailers have have lots of information as well. So we, we could put it all together and come up with some uh, brilliant insight to help them.
0: So if I was thinking of setting up a shop, let's say in Doncaster, it would be worthwhile me using some of your services to find out if the product that I'm doing is going to land well in the area that I'm thinking of setting up a shop, right?
1: Yes, yes, that's it. And we, we work with some of the biggest retailers and we do it globally, but at the other end of the scale, we do work with a few you know, startups and those guys opening the their first few shops and and that's just as rewarding, I think, because, you know, when you show them what information you've got and they don't realise that all that's out there, it's really good to help them, them as well.
0: And who are some of the big retailers that you're working with at the moment then, Sarah?
1: So Astor, KFC, Mitchells and Butlers, who have about 17 pub brands, uh, Toby, Harvest, uh, Miller and Carter.
0: Wow. Okay. So, some, all the some real big, big companies there. Let's have a look then, shall we, then at how you interact and engage with your customers. So, I'm guessing it's quite a consultative type approach that you take with them. So, when it comes to the experience you provide them with, you know, why is the customer experience key for you then,
1: Sarah? When I think about the customer experience, I think of it in terms of geolytics, but then also why is it key for me? So, for geolytics, it's so important. These retailers are are spending hundreds of millions of pounds on an investment and they could do that themselves. So it's property directors deciding, having the final decision and and the board deciding this. And they've got tens of years of experience. So they could just do that themselves or they could go to one of our competitors who, who do similar things to us. So we've got to make sure that they want to come and use us. In the first place, that means that we've obviously got to wow them and impress them. But it can also be simple things like if I think back to when I was at Sainsbury's and I was using a company like us, if I'm busy all day long, so if I have half an hour where I think, right, I'm going to go and see if I can find someone to help me with this. If I'm ringing someone and I've got a half an hour spare and they're not answering the phone or they're not replying to an email, then I'm going to speak to the person who does. So it's simple things like just getting back to people immediately, which you think is simple, but not not many people seem to manage to do it in this day and age. And then it's keeping that relationship ongoing. So when uh, retailers manage their networks, opening a store can take up to five years. You know, it's a long, it's a long old relationship. So mm. so we need to make sure that that they trust us and want to work with us and like us. You know, we always talk in dulytics about how the fact that we like our clients, you know, we like meeting up with them and we care about them. We have to get that customer experience right at the beginning, but then ongoing for for a number of years. And we've been going 10 years um, and we haven't lost a customer, which is pretty awesome. So uh, long may that continue.
0: No, it certainly is. Now, for 10 years and to not to have lost a customer, then that that demonstrates that you've, you've certainly got that loyal customer base. So you talked about the importance of, you know, getting the basics right. And sometimes this stuff is, you know, I say this a lot, it's common sense, but often it's not common practice. Uh, and you think to yourself, you know, why, why can't people get some of these simple things right? But it's the simple things that make a big difference, isn't it, Sarah?
1: Yes, definitely. It's just communication. So how I've said before, so so getting back to people, but then communicating. So if we've got a problem our end and we're going to be delayed, then just let, you know, let people know and then give them a solution and say, you know, but we're going to do X, Y, and Z. If we are going to be delayed, then, you know, say, but we can do this for you in addition. It's just saying, let's meet face to face and let's go on a site visit rather than something you could do over a Zoom meeting. Just trying to Do that little bit above and beyond and don't always be clock watching and always charging for things. Just try and be fair and build a good relationship with people.
0: And just thinking about that piece that you mentioned there about, you know, if things do get delayed, you know, it's important to make sure that, you know, you keep the customer informed. Why for you is it important to do that then? Even if, you you know, there might be a delay, the solution might not be quite ready, but you've got to keep them in the picture. Why is that key for you and what you do at Geolytics then?
1: If you just communicate with the, the client, then they'll always understand where you're at. So any silence, you know, they don't understand if it's a problem, if you just, you know, just not getting back to them, if you just not started the project. So if you, you know, if you keep communicating throughout the whole project and say, look, we've had this issue, but we're solving it and we're just going to be a day late, then then no one worries about it at all. So it's just, it it just keeps things on an even keel, whereas silence can obviously get clients upset and agitated and then that just can roll into something bigger, bigger than it needs to be. We've always got very open and transparent way at geolytics, So everyone that comes in would just say, if there's ever any problems, then just raise your hand and tell us because we want to support you to go back to the client. You know, don't be worried about about not saying that. And likewise, when things go well, we encourage everyone to share that. So we have a team meeting each week, but then we have an area on our project management tool where we just all put comments from our clients when they've said really nice things about us and just examples of where we've done something that our clients have said, wow, that's really cool or wow, you're the best. And we just keep them all and in one place so that people can go look at them and see you know, what good is and just makes us all happy.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important, isn't it, when it comes to, you know, celebrating success, because, you know, I do a lot of work in the customer service space, as you can, you know, as you can imagine, and too often, you know, I hear people saying, I don't get feedback when when my customers give me great feedback, I don't even hear about it sometimes. And I know they're giving it to me and I know they're sharing it, but it doesn't come back to me. And so, you know, making sure that you celebrate your successes and, you know, share some of those positive comments that customers give, that just not only makes the the team feel good, but it just helps to keep them buoyant, doesn't it, Sarah?
1: Yes, definitely. When I said earlier um, about how I think about customer experience of how it's important for geolytics, but then also... When I was thinking about why it's important for me, I think that especially after I left Sainsbury's and and took the leap and started Geolytics, it was after I'd had my first little boy. And I think I was just ready. I'd kind of been through having a child and it's such a big thing. I was ready to take more risks. So I was ready to kind Mm -hmm. of leave the comfort of the corporate world and start Geolytics. And I realized that, that money wasn't my driving factor anymore, but it was actually doing a good job. So doing a good job at Sainsbury's meant my boss saying, oh, well done, Sarah, that's really good. But doing a good job at Geolytics is having happy customers. So having a customer saying, oh, those recommendations for those store forecasts, they were all spot on and we've taken them and we're opening X, Y, Z. You know, someone saying that means so much more and and having a happy customer. And that's, that's kind of what drives me, which is why I guess customer experience is so important.
0: I've got three kids myself and I know that, you know, things certainly change when your children arrive. And I know that my career took a, a different pathway when I started to have kids. But you're right, you know, there's different things that motivate people. And you know, people often say, you know, m- money is a motivator. Absolutely, you know, you know, money does motivate, but there's always something else. There's, there's, a, there's a higher purpose. And, you know, and so for you, having happy customers... Who come back and give you feedback about some of the information you provided them with and how how much it was you know on the money? That in itself drives you, which is good, right? And at the same time, you know, you you get rewarded for it as well by by having clients who stay, and therefore, if they stay loyal, they're going to be spending more money on that journey, aren't they?
1: Yes, exactly. Employ more, employ more people, get more happy employees as well
0: this is it this is it and and just so so just on that point then you know thinking about that and looking at the customer experience for you why is it important that your your employees are happy and, and they're engaged then sarah
1: because customer experience you can't give a good customer experience if you don't have happy employees so so if you want someone to care and have empathy and and show that show that they care and actually be bothered about delivering a good project and be bothered about getting it to them on time and communicating and building a relationship. If you've got someone that doesn't really want to be at work, then they're not going to do that. So we're so lucky at Geolitics that we always, we say we've got such a different group of different personalities and people but it all just seems to really gel and we all we always say when someone joins after a few weeks we always go oh it's fantastic we can tell they're really geolytics you know it's just that we we've got (laughs) this really good group of people that are different but but work together and I just think that we set expectations from from day one and we don't have corporate processes and we we don't have do x y and z but but we'll just set expectations that we do do certain things with customers. So when someone does call in or someone does send an email in, everyone knows that we want to get back to them immediately because we all know that's really important. And we know that we want to do the best project possible and deliver it the best we can. So I just, I just think it, it's a culture thing that just filters through and affects everyone. And when someone isn't happy, we make sure we address that, you know, and find out why and, and try and help them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so important, isn't it, to get things right for your employees? Because like you say, if you don't demonstrate empathy with your employees, then how can you expect them to do that with, with your clients? So the story starts on within. And it certainly sounds like the the approach you take at Geolytics, you know, is helping to make sure that you've got... happy employees who ultimately the result is you have happy customers as well so yeah great job love that and just just going back to that piece that we talked about before when it comes to keeping keeping the customer informed even if you haven't got a solution or if there are delays then i refer to that as as labor inclusion as opposed to labor illusion it's simply a case of making sure that rather than the customer thinking is anything happening are things being progressed so it's a bit of an illusion to them you simply keep them in the picture and let them know this is what's going on this is where we're at these are the steps that we've taken this is the progress that we've made and this is the next step that's going to happen so that they feel more included then and so therefore they are more patient they are more engaged in the process and and therefore they simply stay so it's massively important to keep them involved in the process you know and keep them up to speed what's going on. So yeah, what do you think about labor illusion versus labor inclusion? Does that make sense to you, Sarah?
1: It does, it does. And it, it just made me think about something to Blair, our CEO, he talks about how everyone wants to be successful. So when we're working with a client, the client wants to succeed on the project and we want to succeed on the project. So we should always think of that, that we're, we're as a team and we want to get success together. But also talks about how important it is to have a goodwill bank with mm-hmm. with our clients. So if we've built up six years of a goodwill bank of delivering fantastic projects, and they've made a lot of investment decisions, and it's really helped, then if yeah. we're doing one project and it's tricky, and the the data is really hard to process or you know some some things really tricky in it and we're having to spend a little bit longer time on it then we've got that Mm. goodwill bank you know there and they'll trust us that, that we'll sort it out and that it will come good in the end so yeah that is kind of a term that we we think about as well.
0: It reminds me of that Stephen Covey talks about, you know, filling the emotional bank account, and it's pretty similar to that. So making sure that, you know, you have that track record, those successful projects that happen over the years, you know, you're filling that goodwill bank. And then when you do have some potential challenges where, where, like you said, the data is a bit more challenging to get hold of then customers are going to be, they're going to be more receptive, aren't they? Because you've got that that bank of goodwill. So that certainly works, certainly sounds like it's a good approach that Blair's taking there, right? Yeah. Okay, good. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was your recent success with Awards International. So what was the award that you managed to pick up there, Sarah?
1: We got two awards. We got one award for Geolytics Mapping system. So we've got an online mapping platform where, where retailers can view all their stores and competitors and demographics and run sales forecasts um, for, for new sites and understand blueprints. I think we won that award for a specific project we did on there where it was integrating mobility data so that you could understand cannibalization in real time. So. If you're thinking about a fast food restaurant and they're wanting to think, can I open a store in a shopping centre and can I open on the high street, which is nearby, we can understand whether the population goes into the shopping centre and the high street, you know, in the same day and whether there'll be cannibalisation there or whether you can actually get new sales. So we, we won one for that, which is fantastic news. And But then the one we were really proud of was the one that, that the customers had to vote for, so we won the customer awards. So the first one was to judge by judges, and then the second one actually went out out to the customers. It's just it's just brilliant to think that they they actually took the time to register and and vote for us because all these things you can think, oh yes, I must do that, but to actually get round to doing it when I know they've all got really busy lives. Uh, that was that was really lovely.
0: So not just one award, so two awards, one for your mapping system and one which was voted by your customers. And like you say, you know, people are busy, aren't they? And so the fact that they took time to do that and and submit their votes, I mean, that in itself, you know, is is a great endorsement of the services that you provide. How did the team feel about that when you shared the good news with them?
1: They're all so (laughs) chuffed. We've got a photo of Donna one of our colleagues, and she's just jumping in the air with her arms in the air right? when we've—I um, can't remember if it was that award or a different one—but someone's managed to get her in a photo of her jumping up at the moment where we've won it. So it's lovely that everyone, everyone really likes it. Yeah, and we can't—you know—we can't wait to get back to uh, face-to-face awards so that we can all celebrate together afterwards. But we did make sure that we celebrated together after that one.
0: No, good. And for you and your business then, Sarah, I'm just keen to find out, you know, why Why is it important uh, f- for you to submit entries to these awards?
1: We're still a really small company, so there's, there's still folk yeah. 40 odd of us. So it get it's a way yeah. of getting getting our name out there. Whilst the deadline is approaching when you when you have to write the awards and you can think, oh dear me, we're busy. Why did we do this? Actually, when yeah. you're when you're summarising and writing the award, it's really good because it's a, a way of forcing you to think about your achievements and think what you've done and a way of selling yourself. So naturally, I'm not really a, a shouty old or, or a salesperson, but that kind of forces you a little bit to say oh yeah we did a really good job at that and you know let's let's shout about it a bit I think again for the team as well I think it's great for them to see that we're we are being recognized outside as in addition to within and from our customers.
0: Yeah and sometimes you've just got to beat your own drum haven't you and, and, and make sure that people are aware of some of the great things that you're doing and Certainly, the British people are sometimes not very good at beating their own drums. So you have to do it and just going through that process of looking at the various sections involved. In an awards submission, it just makes you think more about the process that you've actually followed and some of the the things that you've done to to make sure that your your customers are satisfied. So it just helps you yeah, to work through those submissions and think, OK, we let, let's have a think about how we, we can consider some of this content for future interactions with customers as well. So it certainly helps from that side of things as well. So, tell me some more about cannibalization. What is that exactly, then, Sarah? I made a note of that as you were talking through. What is cannibalization?
1: It sounds so. It's it's simply if you've got if you've got one store in a town, and I'll go from where I'm from because there's lots of towns all all buttered up next to each other. So, if you've got one one town in in Brickhouse. Um, House. if you're from there yeah. uh, so if you've got one to, uh, one store in Brighouse and you're thinking oh, I want to open another store in Huddersfield it's how how yeah. many of my customers are already coming from Huddersfield so if I if I um, open a store in Huddersfield am I going to lose sales in Brighouse because they're too close they're too close together so it's it's just looking it's like eating away your own sales basically it's like you're putting a store more convenient for those customers. They won't have to travel as far, but you're not getting new sales because they were going to a different store anyway.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, now I understand the use of the word cannibalization. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't want to be eating away at uh, customers going to stores that are going to be quite close to other ones that you've already set up.
1: You might decide you want to do that because you, you, if not, a competitor will open and they'll move to the competitor so sometimes you know it's a defense mechanism but you you need to understand that because you need to understand what's going to happen to the sales performance in all your stores
0: and that's it and so um, and Brighouse is that just off the m62 is it Junction what is it 25 24 something
1: like that it's yeah I've not lived there I've not lived there for um oh gosh I don't know many many de- decades I can't work it out but um yeah I've still got the accent everyone says
0: this is it I could certainly Tell her there was a bit of a northern accent there, Sarah, which, which is all good. Uh, and so thinking about the customer experience, then, what would your top tips be for the listeners? What would be your gold dust when it comes to how to create exceptional customer experience? What would you share in that space then?
1: So it's very simple, so I don't know if um, other people would would go a lot more technical, but I would say to care and to recruit colleagues mm-hmm. that care and set expectations of that from day one to have an open mm. environment where everyone can put their hand up when help's needed so that they're not keeping anything secret and not getting back to customers, um, to build that goodwill bank so that when customer service isn't as good as you want to, then you've got that that goodwill bank. And, and across all of that is just to communicate, communicate constantly with your customers.
0: Love it. So it's all about... Caring, recruiting people who care, having an open environment for people to to share ideas and discuss and debate things, build that goodwill bank and underpinning all of that is communication, 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 right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Perfect. And so for the listeners who want to find out more about you and Geolytics, then what's the best way to get in touch then?
1: Just look on our website. So it's geolytics.com. You can have a look there and then there's an email address or all our details. And yes, please, please get in touch.
0: Excellent stuff. We'll make sure that we put the website address onto the show notes. And any plans for the weekend then? I know this this podcast will go out on a Wednesday, but we're recording it on a Friday. What are your plans for the weekend then, Sarah?
1: Oh, well... (laughs) I'm dreading the weekend a little bit because my son's got a rugby awards and the mums all have to play rounders. So I haven't played rounders since I was at school and I wasn't very good then. So um, I'm sure I'll enjoy it at the time.
0: Well, listen, good luck with the rounders, Sarah. I'm sure you'll be great. You have a great weekend. Look after yourself. And I'm sure I will see you again in another another award ceremony in the not too distant future. So take care and bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Customer Service Gold Dust Podcast. I'm sure that there were plenty of ideas you can take away and apply to your business today. Three things to do now. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can benefit from every episode. I'd also love to see a little review as well. This helps to spread the word and the gold dust, of course. Head over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Finding Gold Dust How to Create Exceptional Customer Experiences. The book is endorsed by a former executive vice president of Walt Disney Resorts. And finally, visit my website at www.gavinscott.me and sign up for some more free content. Until next time, stay memorable.